With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome into Airing It Out, a Penn State podcast brought to you by the Center Daily Times. I'm your host, John Sauber, and I'm joined by our newest addition to the staff, Parth Upadhyay. Parth, how are you? Yeah, John, doing well. You know, as you know, I just moved to State College uh, Monday. I've uh, been spending this week getting settled in. You know, my parents were in town. They just left this morning. Yeah, ready to rock and roll with the season. Excited to, to cover some football. Yeah, no, and, and it's a little later than I think we all anticipated in August, but also it's here, which we also didn't anticipate at the same time in August. Uh, you know, it was an up and down. Uh, I mean, it's been an up and down seven months, but it's been a really up and down two months, especially for Big Ten athletes. Uh, finally going to have some football about nine days from now on Saturday, October 24th. Uh, Penn State's going to be taking on Indiana in Bloomington, Indiana over there, a school I used to cover. So fortunately have some, some knowledge there about their team and their program. But, you know, before we get into that, we'll get into, you know, Indiana next week. We'll start previewing the team. We'll start looking into, you know, what the season can look like. Uh, we want to talk about some things that we've sort of already discussed uh, on the website, you know, put up uh, some roundtable discussions that we've had along with some other staff members and Josh Moore and Brett Pilato. But, you know, we want to look at some guys that, that we think can break out this year because this is an important season for Penn State. Even without Micah Parsons, it's the team that has a chance to compete for a college football playoff uh, berth. Uh, it's not as good of a chance as it had with Micah Parsons, of course, but it's still a chance. Uh, but, yeah, let's let's start rolling with some some breakout candidates. Partha, you want to go first with, with who you had as your breakout candidate for the season? Absolutely. I picked a guy who hasn't played a single down for Penn State in Keandre Lambert-Smith, a freshman wide receiver. You know, K.J. Hamler was a guy, you know, a second-round draft choice last year um, out of Penn State, plays for the Denver Broncos now, obviously, who accounted for about 30%, over 30%, I believe, of Penn State's receiving yards. They've got to find that production elsewhere. And I think a lot of the guys that we spoke to, you know, John, uh, during Penn State's media days pointed to Keandre Lambert-Smith as a guy who can uh, kind of fill that hole. Um, this guy was, a, a you know, a four-star prospect, but is a guy who's obviously been working very hard this offseason and has, has left an impression on James Franklin, left an impression on his teammates, and seems to have stepped up. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, you know, he has a skill set that can translate pretty quickly. I know there were some concerns about his size coming into college because he didn't have a ton of weight put on. Uh, this is an excellent strength and conditioning program. It continues to turn out top combine performances uh, year in and year out. And there's no reason to believe that Lambert Smith won't sort of get there as, uh, as you know, in the same way that other guys have. But he, he really excels as a route runner, gets in and out of his breaks really well, has shown he can catch the ball. And I think this is something that, that a lot of guys, like you said, told us uh, in, in the media days when we talked to a lot of guys on the team. Uh, it's, it's that he's just got a former connection with Sean Clifford. Uh, this is going to be the biggest thing for any wide receiver on this team uh, is forming that connection and kind of 
finding a, a clear path to, uh, to communication and, and to being on the same page because that wasn't the case last year. And this was a team that relied too much on KJ Hamler and Pat Fryermuth. You know, it, it was going to guys that, that the team, uh, that defenses knew that they were going to try to get the ball to. So they've got to learn to spread it around a little bit. This year especially, like you said, there is there is not that top guy on the outside. Of course, Pat Frymuth still coming back, which is a huge win for for the Penn State program. And, you know, that's that's going to help Sean Clifford with his, uh, you know, reliable target. Uh, but still, he's he's not the outside receiver that these other guys are. He's not the, the downfield threat in the same way. He has the size to compete for contested catches downfield, but he's not uh, an elite athlete by any means. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, sort of how Lambert Smith can find his way into the field and, and find a way into producing because they need someone to produce point blank. They, they just need someone to, to sort of get out there, catch some passes and make plays in the open field. And yeah, I mean, Lambert Smith is, is one of those guys that, that hasn't been here and has a chance to contribute, but, but let's move on to a guy who has been here. He's going into his third year on campus has proven to be uh, an athletic freak and it necessarily hasn't translated to the, to the football field yet. And that's our colleague, Josh Moyers pick and, and Jason Oway. Parth, what do you feel about Jason Oway? Yeah, always a guy, like you mentioned, he's, he's been on campus for three years. He's a, he's a redshirt sophomore this season. Uh, last year, he was behind uh, Uter Gross Matos and, and Shaka Tony, rightfully so. But this guy has the, you know, the intangibles to, to be a, you know, a, a top draft choice this, you know, this spring. Uh, this is a guy who ran a reported 4.33 40-yard dash. Um, that's insane, you know, for, for a guy his size, you know, at defensive end. Yeah, Owe is uh, as much of an athletic freak as there is in college football right now. Uh, it doesn't make sense that he can run as fast as he can at that kind of size. Uh, he's got ridiculous hip bend, too. He can get around the edge and get to pass rushers with, with relative ease, or get to quarterback, excuse me, as a pass rusher with relative ease. Um, like you said, he's a guy who should be a first-round pick, uh, you know, in the 2021 NFL draft. He's as athletic as they come. He's got as much upside as there is in college football. Uh, he's going to have to put some production on tape to sort of back that up. Uh, he hasn't been overly, uh, you know, productive in his three years or his two years on campus thus far, but, but he can get there. And we've seen he has the athleticism and the talent to do it. There's, this is clearly not, a, you know, an issue where it's not translating completely to the football field. He has shown flashes. He just needs to sort of put it all together. Uh, it's got to be better against the run, which will come as he continues to add size. But, but yeah, this is, this is another guy with, with as much upside as you're going to see and, and someone that, while it may seem like the cop-out pick to take him as the breakout, he's as good of as, uh, as any to, to break out. And, you know, staying at that same position, let's, let's move on to uh, Brett Plata's pick of, of Adisa Isaac, another athletic freak uh, that, that has, has the same kind of upside, you know, can get to the quarterback at will and, and has a chance to be an elite pair with, with uh, Owe and, and Shaka Tony as pass rushers, or trio, I should say, with uh, Tony and Owe as pass rushers this season. And yeah, Isaac is, is a guy that, that came in as a heralded recruit and, and produced pretty quickly as a freshman. Parth, what, what, did, what are you thinking about uh, Brett's pick to have Isaac as his breakout player this year? No, I think it's a heck of a pick. This, you know, Isaac is a guy who came in raw, came in needing to add weight. And, you know, he, we've seen him develop, you know, throughout his time at Penn State. Last year against Maryland, he had, you know, 1.5 sacks. And even when talking to guys during media days, he was a name that got brought up often. Uh, I believe it was um, Fred Hansard who said Adisa Isaac was a player he's seen, I believe the word was transform <laughs> right before his eyes in a matter of months, which is a hell of a quote. <laughs> um, so I, I expect to see more from Adisa this season. 
Yeah, no. And, and, you know, when you, when you talk about a guy transforming, you know, and when they haven't been able to be around him that much, it's a big step, you know, it's a, it's a big step for a guy in a, a loaded defensive end room that, that will have Shaka Tony, that will have Jason Oway, that will have Shane Simmons as a veteran guy as a red shirt senior. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what, what Isaac can do uh, in that rotation. I, I do think he's primed for a breakout. I think all of these guys are primed for a breakout. Everyone sort of hit the nail on the head with these picks. Uh, you know, and, and this is one that, that has a chance to really be big time for Penn State. And, and they're guaranteed to get him back next year, too. Uh, you know, there's, there's no threat of the NFL draft for Isaac because he is a true sophomore, uh, because he still has to come back for another year. So while Owe may leave, Adisa Isaac may just be following in his footsteps. Uh, and even if he doesn't break out this year, this is, you know, this could be some excellent foresight by, by Brett to sort of get a year ahead of the train when, when Isaac will, will definitely have a blowout or a breakout season, excuse me. And that, that takes us to our last guy, and, and, and I, can, uh, I can mainly discuss him here because this is my pick after all, and, and that's uh, sophomore running back Devin Ford. Uh, Ford is a guy out of North Stafford that, that was a really, really good athlete coming out of high school, didn't look like a, a primary ball carrier, uh, was, was a guy that was more, sort of a big play threat more than anything. He showed that last year. He had big runs, a big run against Idaho. He showed he's capable of breaking off big runs. Uh, but now he's added a little bit of weight. He's gotten stronger. He looks like he can carry the ball more. Uh, he's effective in the passing game. And, you know, his classmate Noah Kane was the guy that caught everyone's attention. But but if you go back and listen to Josh and I talking last year, I was always pounding the the, the table for Devin Ford. I was the one that was that was saying he's still better than Noah Kane when, when Kane was having a great season. Uh, and, you know, with, with Journey Brown this year is the clear lead back and uh, it's sort of a little bit mixed up past that. Uh, you, you don't really know what you're going to get with Penn State at running back, but I do feel confident that this is going to be a rotation again. Even when Brown was at his best last year, they got Kane involved, and I think they're going to have to get Ford involved. And I think this is an opportunity for him to have a, a huge season if he can hit on a few of those big plays because he can show that he's the heir apparent. He can show that when Journey Brown's career comes to an end that he's the guy uh, and that, that Noah Kane is uh, sort of a compliment to him, you know, and that he can be the one that breaks the big plays that's more involved in the passing game. Uh, and in Kurt Chiraka's offense, too, they like to spread the ball around to the running backs. They had three guys get over 400 rushing yards in Minnesota last year. I would expect that to be the case again this year. You know, uh, Ford is a prime candidate to be that third guy. And, you know, with, with Ford, they're, they're going to have a, a clear running back stable that, that can produce here. Um, but running back isn't obviously the only position on this offense that, that has guys we should watch out for. This is an offense in general that, that should take a step forward this year with Kirk Sharaka leading it. Uh, Ricky Ronnie, of course, leaving for Old Dominion back in December to take the head coaching job. Uh, you know, could potentially be a blessing in disguise for Penn State because Sharaka is one of the elite offensive coordinators in college football. So first, just – and I, we're not going to get into predictions yet. We'll save that, like I said, for next week when, when we start discussing Indiana and what we really think of this team this season. But, but Parth, what, what do you think about this offense and, and the direction it's headed this season? Yeah, John, I think, um, as we've discussed before, it's about, you know, the, the passing game taking that next step. That's one thing that we didn't see last year, right? Can Sean Clifford take that next step as a quarterback and, and develop, you know, better accuracy, develop his deep ball? Um, if that happens – this could be a playoff team. And I think we'll learn a lot about Penn State by week two. Week two is their, their biggest game, right? That's Ohio State on Halloween. Um, yeah, it won't be that traditional whiteout. Yeah, it won't be, you know, um, 107,000 packed into Beaver Stadium. But, you know, we'll learn a lot about Penn State by October 31st, certainly. 
Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, you know, even without the atmosphere, these are still two, the two best teams of the Big Ten. Uh, uh, you know, definitely the Big Ten East at this point. Uh, the two most talented teams and have proven they can produce. I think you're right with Sean Clifford. I think the issues there with his footwork and his accuracy last year uh, led to a lot of their struggles with his, his deep ball and, and led to him not being able to hit guys that are open down the field. And you can't miss those shot plays. And when we talked to Kirk Sharaka, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he said that, that big plays are important to his offense. They are something that he's always looking for uh, in his offense. And, and James Franklin talks about it being one of the core principles for the team all the time, that you need to win on those shot plays. You need to get those shot plays and you need to, you need to make things happen on them. Uh, and they, they have the weapons to do it now. They have the talent and guys like Keandre Lambert Smith, who we've already discussed guys like Parker Washington as a, a true freshman uh, to come out of the slot and be physical and, and, you know, win those battles for the jump ball downfield Someone like Jahan Dotson, who's, who's proven he can break free downfield. Uh, Daniel George, who's a physical freak, who's big and strong, has struggled with catching in the past, but, but still can, can, can get open and, and find his space. Uh, Sean Clifford's got to be able to hit those guys. He's got to be past those first-year nerves. Uh, if, those, if those nerves sort of start to resurface again, there could be a little bit of trouble there. You know, he's, he's, he's at the very least a good starting college quarterback. He's got to take a step to being a great solid, uh, starting college quarterback for Penn State to take that next step. Uh, because quite frankly, this, this offense is sort of what's, what's preventing them from getting to the playoff at this point. Uh, you know, the defense has been great. It has been consistently great. I know they've struggled giving up big plays. Uh, that has been an issue as, as long as I can remember. Uh, but that happens to a lot of teams. College football is a, a lot about big plays now. And, you know, teams take a bunch of shots. And even when they don't hit on them, you're always going to remember the ones that they do hit on and the ones that they do connect with downfield. So every team's going to give up big plays. But I think this defense has a chance to be one of the best in the country this year. And I don't know about you, but I think at the end of the day, if they make the college football playoff, it, it, it'll be the offense doing just enough and the defense doing plenty over the top. Oh, for sure. I think the defense is going to do what it's always done, right? Um, they had one of the best rush defenses in the country last year, and I think that's expected to be the same, uh, much of the same this season. Uh, like we discussed, if it's you know if the offense can take that next step, this could be a, a deadly team. Yeah, and especially like you said, that week two matchup is going to be everything. Uh, if they lose to Ohio State, that that margin of error gets much much smaller. They've got to win out to have a chance. Fortunately for Penn State, they sort of know what they're looking at already. Uh, in college football, you have Oklahoma and Texas with two losses already. You've got teams around the country taking losses, and before they've even kicked off the season, so they know even if they lose to Ohio State, that there is a window. It does exist. Uh, you know, a world does exist where they can get to the college football playoff even with that week two loss. But that week two game has to be competitive. It has to be close. They can't get blown out of the water. If they do, those chances are, of making the playoff are going to go out the window, especially because, and, and this is something that we can talk about as the season goes on, as college football playoff committee rankings come out, they're playing eight games. Other teams are playing 10 games. Other teams are playing 11 games. Other teams are playing nine games. So when you have a smaller resume, it's got to be a better resume. Uh, you've got to get those important wins when you can. They've got to go to Ann Arbor and beat Michigan. They've got to be competitive with Ohio State. Uh, and, and, you know, if, if they aren't, then, then they can kiss the playoff chances goodbye. But, but as long as they're capable of, of being competitive, uh, I think, in week two and, and showing what they can do, this defense is going to win them football games. I think – you know, like you said, their rush defense last year was dominant. They should be very good again this year. It'll, it'll come down to how well Tony and Owe can hold up in the run game, but they're still very good up the middle with, with P.J. Mustfer and Antonio Shelton. Even with the loss of Micah Parsons, they have Brandon Smith. They have Jesse Luchetta. They have Ellis Brooks to defend the run at the second level. Uh, a bunch of guys at cornerback who are stepping up this year. You can a little a little plug right here, but you you can read about Keaton Ellis this weekend. You know, and and, and how good he's been, how much he's improved. Uh, Marquise Wilson, the guy who generates a ton of turnovers. 
turnovers, three Castro fields, obviously the undisputed number one corner there. But this is this is a team that that will rely on its defense and, and will need its defense to carry it at times this year. And, and for the defense to carry them in those games, of course, they're going to have to play the games. And that is far from a certainty at this point. Uh, Nick Saban tested positive for COVID-19 yesterday. Uh, Florida is having an outbreak and they had to cancel the game this weekend. Ole Miss had a player test positive and, and their game could potentially be in jeopardy. Uh, without, with Saban having it, who knows what's going to happen with Alabama-Georgia this weekend. Uh, a lot is up in the air, and it's been that way for seven months. Uh, we sort of knew that when the football season was going to start, it was never going to be a certainty. So I think that's something we're all going to have to watch out for is, is how teams are going to handle this and, and how they're going to move forward this season. No, for sure. And I think um, James Franklin was asked yesterday if he had any – or what kind of concerns he had, you know, with, with Saban – announcing that he did have COVID, you know, on Wednesday evening. And he said that they're, you know, they're closely monitoring it. They're, they're relying on guys like Wayne Sebastianelli and their, you know, their athletic medicine guys, you know, at Penn State to, to, to look at the situation and look at the situation at different schools and, and seeing what's changing and what's not. This is a, you know, ever-evolving situation. It's a novel virus. Yeah, they're looking at that closely. And, and, and Franklin knows. He knew that when they chose to play college football, that it was a risk. And he knew that there were going to be sacrifices that had to be made. And he knew that, it wasn't going to be perfect, but this is a choice that they made, and this is a choice that they're they're making and choosing to go forward with. Yeah, without a doubt. And one of those choices they've made, and one of those sacrifices they've made, is to not have the same time with their families that they usually do. And he talked about that last night too. How it's been difficult. This is a program that's built on this family feel, this 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 culture that he brings everyone together, and that it feels like a genuine family. And he said how hard it is not to be able to have freshmen over to his house for, for a cookout or anything like that. You know, not being able to surprise guys at practice is something that was talked about during media day. Sean Clifford was talking about how, you know, it's every year they would have Franklin would suddenly cancel practice and they would go bowling or they'd go play paintball or whatever. And that just didn't happen this year. Uh, a lot of that stuff is now missing. Of course, it's missing from all of our lives. You know, it's not just them. Uh, there are much worse consequences, obviously death being the worst of this virus that, that has been very real for over 200,000 people. But, but still, that doesn't change that, you know, there are sacrifices being made at a, a much smaller level that, that we sort of overlook. And I think that that uh, could potentially throw a wrench into the season. They could throw a wrench into a lot of things. You know, if, if a player tests positive or, or has to quarantine, the Big Ten has basically stated that they're out for 21 days. Uh, and that's, you know, potentially three games or it is three games. Uh, and, and, you know, who knows what happens from there. But, but this is going to have an impact this season. I, I think we can say that without a doubt. Uh, you know, it, it has impacted the college football season already. There's no reason to think it won't impact the Big Ten, uh, even though it hasn't started. Now, to their benefit, they have the daily antigen testing. They're testing these guys every day. And it's, they should be able to contain outbreaks even more uh, than other leagues can. And, and the potential delay in the season could be huge here. I, I think, honestly, waiting until October to start the season instead of starting in September has been a big advantage of the Big Ten as poorly as they handled it from a PR perspective. And I think everyone would agree on that same point that that was handled poorly. They sort of got their act together and, and they were able to – to, to put together a plan that could really benefit them in the long run. But yeah, it's going to be really uncertain this year. Who knows how the season's going to play out. I do know that you and I will be here every week recording a podcast to discuss it. Uh, thank you for joining me, Parth. Uh, I really enjoyed our first podcast together. We will, uh, yeah, we, we will, we will continue uh, doing these uh, every single week. Uh, you know, the, these conversations will continue to, to center around Penn State football and what's to come with the program. Uh, it's going to be an interesting year to say the least. 
but that'll do it for this week's episode of Airing It Out. You can find us, as always, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on the platform of your choice, wherever you download is fine with us. Uh, if you want to read Parthenize writing, you can subscribe to a sports pass from the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast. Uh, if you have any comments, you can reach Parth and I at email uh, on our email addresses. Parth is P-U-P-A-D-H-Y-A-Y-A at centerdaily.com or me at J-S-A-U-B-E-R at centerdaily.com. Follow us on Twitter at, at P-U-P-A-D-H-Y-A-Y-A underscore and at John Sauber. Thank you for tuning in and have a great day.